0: In the ancient times, uh, the early Christians kind of had to be a little covert. And so, like, their code was, he is risen. So you would say that to someone, and if they didn't say anything back, then you knew they weren't a brother or sister in Christ. Okay. No, it worked? Oh, yes. Woo! It's the little things. Um, so that has become the tradition throughout the centuries. So when someone says, he is risen, you respond by saying, he-, he, is risen indeed. he is risen indeed. That's right. Well, Chris Stringfellow, the guitar player, got a little confused one year, and I said, happy Easter. And he said, happy Easter indeed. <laughs> so, <laughs> I would like to ask you, I know you just, you all got comfortable and you all just sat down, but I would like to ask you if you wouldn't mind standing up one more time because I want to read, I want us to declare today in this place. I want to make some declarations, you know, because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? And there is power in our, in our words and in our declaration. So if you would read this with me. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. For great is the Lord, and he is greatly to be praised. For he alone is God. He, Lord, he is king. At his name, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. His name is mighty. At his name, the demons flee. There is healing in his name. There is freedom in his name. There is joy in his name. There is forgiveness in his name. There is restoration in his name. His name is powerful. His name is above every name. His name is Jesus. Yes, let's just applaud the Lord. We bless your name, Lord. You bless your name, Lord. Bless your name, Jesus. You can be seated. Thank you so much. So this morning, I would like to talk to you about resurrection life. You know, uh, in the last month or so, we've been talking a lot about death and about mourning. For those of you who don't know, my husband just passed away, uh, February 18th. So we are a family in mourning. We are a family in mourning. And, um, but I want to bring the message today, the message of resurrection life. And I really want to focus on the word resurrection because that is at the core of everything we believe as Christians without the resurrection, we would be without hope. And that's why I want to talk about that today. I want to talk a little bit about the story. I want to talk about the same gospel that we have always preached the same gospel. I want to talk about the sincerity of the resurrection and the sole purpose for for which we live. So this morning, if you would would, um, read with me, early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the woman. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified, he isn't here. He is risen from the dead just as he said would happen. Come and see where his body was lying. The evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the single most provable fact in history. It is the single most provable fact in history. There is nothing that has been refuted more and debated more and argued more and discussed more by scholars, by skeptics, by the great thinkers, the great minds, and it has never, ever, ever been disproved. There have been ridiculous theories that have been formed, but the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is a fact. You can deny it, but the evidence is there. The evidence would stand up in a court of law. And I'm not going to focus so much on that today because I really want to focus more on, on what resurrection is and how it affects us. But I just want to say that historically speaking, there have been so many throughout the centuries who have tried to disprove it. There have not been any who could prove it wrong. It's not a matter of, of them not being able to believe. It's a matter of them choosing not to it really comes down to that it's not that they can't believe because the evidence is overwhelming in in the historical research there is an enormous amount even apart from the bible to confirm the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead the tomb was empty and there's only one explanation and what is that explanation he is risen, he is risen. If you, would, um, if you have your Bibles with you, please open them. I welcome people bringing their Bibles or your little uh, smartphone or whatever. We typically have the scripture up here. It's, um, it's good to go back, though, for a point of reference. If you don't have a Bible app, I would suggest getting one. There's uh, YouVersion, which is a really good Bible app. You can just load it onto your smartphone and make it super smart. <laughs> Your phone isn't really smart until you have a Bible app. (laughs) 1 Corinthians 15. Let me remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. This is the good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believed something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you and was most important and what had been also passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried, and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. When it's talking about the scriptures, it's talking about the Old Testament, essentially, okay? He was seen by Peter, and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. I'm assuming they're probably not, none of them are still alive today, but when this was written, <laughs> then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, now this is being written by Paul, who wrote two thirds of the New Testament. Saul of Tarsus, the persecutor of the church. He says, last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. For I'm the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way that I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me and not without results. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. So it makes no difference whether I preach or they preach. For we all preach the same message you have already believed. This is the gospel. Capital G, good news. It means good news. The gospel doesn't mean that you're a horrible person and so you can do a bunch of stuff to make up for it and kind of balance out the scales. Or you can work really super hard for the rest of your life and then maybe God will let you come into heaven. To me, that is not good news. I don't know about you. I just don't like not being sure. The good news is that you and I have all sinned. That's the beginning of it. Every single one of us has sinned. Anybody in here hasn't sinned? Okay, he's a liar, so he just did. (laughs) (laughs) all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us can live up to the high standard that God has set for holiness. Not one of us. So it sounds like that's not such great news so far, right? But the good news is that Jesus Christ died in our place. Because do you know that in in ancient Israel, when someone sinned, they would have to bring in a sacrifice. They would have to bring in, you know, two turtle doves or whatever, they would have to bring in some, something to sacrifice. Because it said in the Le- Levitical law that without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness for sin. So therefore, there had to be blood shed for forgiveness to take place. So people, they would come in and they would sacrifice animals, and it always had to be the best of their animals. It had to be perfect. It couldn't, they couldn't bring in one that, you know, had a broken... Leg or um, like Jacques was was lame. <laughs> I have some friends who have a lame dog, like for real. Like, like okay, anyway, <laughs> they couldn't bring in Jacques. <laughs> They'd have to bring in a spotless and a perfect lamb to sacrifice. It had to be without blemish, without stain, without defect. We love Jacques, but. Yeah. <laughs> But you can't sacrifice him, which is probably okay. But back in those days, that is how the penalty was paid for their sins. So say, for example, if you lied, you'd have to bring in something to sacrifice. I don't know, a turtle. I don't know. You'd have to bring something in to sacrifice, But when Jesus Christ came, he was the perfect lamb. That's why when we say the lamb has overcome, what that is talking about is Jesus Christ was the only human being in the history of the world to be without sin. He was tempted in every way. He was exactly like us. He was tempted and he was tried, but he never, ever, ever gave in to to that temptation. He never sinned. He never fell short of God's glory because he is God. But he came down in human form to be sacrificed so that we could have eternal life. But the, the fact that he was sacrificed is not enough. He went to the cross and he paid the penalty for our sins. But the fact that he was raised again is the pinnacle of forgiveness. That that He overcame the grave. He overcame death. The fact that he was raised from the dead gives us hope. There is nothing else that can give us hope except for the fact that Jesus Christ died for our sins and was raised from the dead. Amen. Amen. Yeah, shout out. Yeah. Um, this is the same message. This is the gospel message. This is the same message you will hear here in this church week after week after week. You will never hear you need to be better, you need to do better, you need to try harder, you need to earn your salvation. Because that is the letter of the law that kills, but the spirit brings life. And the fact that we can have a revelation of that forgiveness that Jesus Christ offered for us, that is our hope. It says that, that Jesus appeared to over 500 people at one time. Now, I don't know how many of you have done drugs, and I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I know that when I used to do drugs, I would only have like a personal hallucination. I never was able to share that experience with anyone else. Sorry for the kids in here. There is forgiveness. But they were ridiculous. I mean, these people tried to say that, oh, well, like all 500 of them had, the, had a hallucination that they saw Jesus. Really? 500 people having the same hallucination? I'm sorry. There is no drug that can, can bring that about. You know, the evidence of the resurrection was through the changed lives. Paul the Apostle, Saul of Tarsus, persecuted the church he was the he was the epitome of an awesome jew he was an awesome hebrew he did everything right he was he was faultless when it came to the law but he got knocked off his horse one day <laughs> he was blinded for a while and he had a revelation of jesus christ And he was radically transformed, so much so that everybody was terrified of him. They were scared because they knew what he did to the church. And he's saying here, he's not even worthy to be called an apostle. That's humility, right? But his changed life, the changed lives of all of the apostles were evidence of the resurrection. And that is still the case today. That is still the evidence that Jesus Christ died and was resurrected is the changed lives Think about Eric, okay? He was an atheist, he was a cocaine dealer, he was a violent man, he persecuted the church. We called him Eric of Tarsus, because he used to persecute Christians. And his life was transformed radically. That is evidence of the resurrection. Pete and Cheryl knew him before he was transformed. They can attest to the fact that he was immediately 180 degrees turned around. 180 degrees. He became a new man. He became a new creature, a new creation in Jesus Christ. That is evidence of the resurrection. He didn't just make this idea. Oh, I think I'm gonna become a Christian. Hmm. No, he was radically transformed because he had a revelation of the forgiveness that Jesus Christ offered for him on the cross. And you can have that same thing. We can all have that same thing every day. I'm going to talk about the the sincerity of the resurrection. It is a sincere issue, the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, it says, For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God for we have said that God raised Christ from the dead. That can't be true if there's no resurrection of the dead. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In this case... All who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, then we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man i'm sorry i'm terrible at the technology <laughs> hallucinations <laughs> lying delusion if it's not true we are to be pitied more than everyone because we're we're living toward this future that might just be made up, right? If Jesus was not raised from the dead, then our faith is useless. But in fact, Jesus was raised from the dead. You know, liars are not good martyrs. People are not willing to die for something they don't honestly believe. And you know, the the apostles, the disciples, Jesus' disciples, many of them were martyred And some of them were martyred, crucified upside down because they didn't feel that they were worthy to be crucified in the same manner in which their Lord was crucified. Liars would not go to the cross for someone else, liars would not be martyred, liars would not die for their cause. Martyrs always die because they believe that what they're dying for is the truth. And all of these apostles and many of the 500 to whom Jesus appeared would go to their grave for that truth, the fact that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Jesus physically rose from the tomb so that we can be forgiven and not only forgiven because that would be enough right there, wouldn't it? I mean, you know when you're having a fight with someone and, and you're just, you're feeling that you're under that, just that angst? I don't know, maybe, unless you have a seared conscience. At least for me, it's like when, I, when I'm in an argument with someone or I know someone's mad at me, it is the most uncomfortable feeling. And you know when, you're, when you go to someone and you're asking for forgiveness and you just feel the resistance? how awkward and uncomfortable that feeling is, as opposed to when, when you've offended or hurt somebody or done something to someone and they say, I forgive you. And that is what Jesus Christ offers on the cross. He says, I forgive you. I forgive you for the worst thing that you've ever done, the worst thought you've ever had. Jesus Christ says, I forgive you. And that would be enough. But the fact is, he didn't just come for that. He also came to set us free. It says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. He did not just come to forgive us, he also came to restore us to our original purpose, for the original purpose for which he created us. And that is what we desire deep within our souls. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, it says, So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing that you do for the Lord is ever useless. There is nothing on this earth that will satisfy. Everything that this, this world holds out is a lie. Like Even like the kids said in the glory play, you know, you get a bunch of money, And it satisfies you for about 10, 15 minutes. And then suddenly it it isn't enough anymore. Or you get that relationship and you think that that's going to fulfill you until you start to realize that they're not everything you had hoped necessarily. Right? You get the job, the dream job. What happens after a couple of months? Pretty soon it's like it's not satisfying. Nothing on this earth is satisfying Philippians 3.8 says everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. You know, when we are found in Christ we lose our lives. If you seek to save your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for the sake of Jesus Christ, you will find it. And I have found life. Even in the midst of my sorrow, in the midst of my mourning and my suffering, I have found life and I have found hope and I have found peace. And we do not grieve as those who have no hope. This is not my agenda. I would not have chosen this. I would much rather have my husband on this Earth, with me. But God knew before the foundations of the Earth, when He called Eric, that he would live 53 years and two, 350-some, you probably know, 50-some days. That was it. And that's a complete life. Because our lives are but a vapor. You know, it's like when you put on perfume or cologne, you know, you little spray. Sometimes you, you know, some of the sprays are just bigger. Some of you are bigger, bigger vapors. But the Lord knows our hope is in Him all day long. And when we suffer, We understand that we consider everything else rubbish. Eric loved that word, rubbish. He always said it with a British accent, rubbish. Everything else is rubbish. Everything else is trash compared to knowing Jesus. And I can attest to that fact right now in this season of my life. Everything else is rubbish to me besides knowing Jesus Christ and having the hope That Eric is not gone. He's not lost. Everything else is rubbish compared to knowing Jesus Christ. It is only in him that we will experience fulfillment. It is only in him I have experienced the peace that transcends understanding. It has guarded my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. I have seen his goodness. I have seen his grace. I have seen his compassion and his kindness. Romans 14, 8. And I don't really know when the Lord put this in the Bible, but he put it in a couple weeks ago for me. <laughs> I've read it a, a grillion times. Seriously, I've read well, at least a grillion. And all of a sudden it was my bold print. And I knew that this is what the Lord was speaking to give me comfort. And it says, and I hope this comforts you. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this purpose to be Lord both of the living and of the dead. That's my hope. That's our hope. Eric's death honored the Lord. I don't understand it. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. But the fact that Christ rose from the dead gives me the strength to go on. And we rejoice in our sufferings. Amen? Amen? The closest thing that we can be to eternal life is to be found in Christ. The Bible talks so many times, the New Testament talks about being in Christ. In Christ. Uh, the analogy that I use, it's, it's like, we're the hot dog and he's the cornbread. <laughs> All these health food... <laughs> It's tofu, gluten-free cornbread. I remembered uh, one time Eric and I went to a farmer's market. I've shared this with so many people, but he was so dang- he was so funny. He just he one time we went to this farmer's market and there was a, a whole table full of s- little samples there, and he went to reach for one. He goes, "Oh, I can't have any." And I said, "Well, why not?" And he goes, "It says right here, glutton free <laughs> So you can totally steal that. <laughs> he stole all my jokes, so. <laughs> um, Colossians 1, 26, This message was not kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. This gives us, gives you the assurance of sharing his glory. Christ lives in you. If you have received the forgiveness that he offers for you on the cross, he lives in you by his spirit. That is his promise in John chapter 14, that he will not leave us as orphans, but he will send a comforter who will be with us, who will teach us and lead us into all truth, that he would be in us, Christ in you the hope of glory. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He said it himself. Jesus told the woman, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection. And the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. For those of us who have sorrow for having lost, not really lost, but having someone passed who knew the Lord, we have that hope. That Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. And as I mentioned earlier, it's not just for the here, the great, beyond, you know? It's not just about heaven. He has promised to give us life here on earth. But the closest we can get to heaven and to eternal life and to the abundant life is to become everything he called us to be. To be restored, to be, to be reconciled to him, our creator. Because he lives, we also live. Only because he lives. Otherwise we are dead in our trespasses and sins. And our hope is in him all day long. Right? Right? Okay, I'm going to tell you guys a story. It's a little bit random, but it was a really faith, faith-building faith thing for me. Um, it starts out pretty icky, so if you're prone to anxiety, I apologize. <laughs> um, okay, so Eric always took really good care of me, and he left an insur- a life insur- insurance policy. Whew. He left a life insurance policy, and um, I don't know if you've ever had to fill out that kind of paperwork, but it is arduous and it is grueling and I hate that stuff even when I'm just doing fine and when I can actually think and so I was going through the whole process of I mean paper sheet after sheet after sheet of all of these pages and I actually called the financial institution and I, I said for, for you office fans can okay, you remember when Oscar the financial manager was explaining finances to Michael who wasn't the smartest guy in the world <laughs> And, and he starts explaining finances, and Michael goes, uh, talk to me like I'm seven. <laughs> and then Oscar dumbs it way down, and then Michael goes, okay, now talk to me like I'm five. <laughs> That's what I told the lady on the phone. I'm like, okay, talk to me like I'm five. So she did, and she walked me through all of these pages of this financial stuff, and it took me a long time to get through it, and then you know I had to have it signed by a notary public and you know and then I had to I was in California at the time so I had to try to figure out you know can I do this in my in California or do I have to do it in my state of residence so it was just it was a huge hassle relatively speaking (laughs) first world problems but anyway um, so I completed this whole task and I had to attach a death certificate to it and so then I went and bought like a ready post envelope and put it in there and Went to the post office, and then I, it was closed, and so then I had to go buy stamps. So I went and bought stamps. Went back to the post office and realized I had no clue how many stamps I needed to put on there. So I just was oh, kind of just in a, in a haze, not thinking very clearly. So I ended up going home, going back to the condo where we were staying, and uh, just totally forgot about it. The next day, Rebecca and I packed up. We were trying to get, in, get on the road by 9, and so packed everything up, got in the car, started going halfway through South Lake Tahoe. I reached down for the envelope, and it was gone. And I was like, Rebecca, where's the envelope with the life insurance? And she goes, I don't know. Pulled off the side of the road, dug through everything, everything everywhere in the car, took out my suitcase, ripped through the suitcase. We couldn't find it anywhere. Went back. Finally, we. what she said, we're going to have to go back to the condo. Went back to the condo, ripped through everything, lifting up all the cushions, everything in the whole place. And I was starting to get pretty anxious. I'm not typically prone to anxiety, but I, I had compassion on people who struggle with that because I was starting to kind of panic. And I we were looking everywhere, could not find it anywhere. And then I was just just so devastated, just so hopeless. I mean, this was set aside for my future, for, you know, when I'm old. <laughs> I don't consider myself old. but <laughs> So anyway, we got in the car, and just, I said, Lord, I'm just trusting you in this. I just have to trust you. So we got in the car, and I was still wrestling, and just saying, you know, Lord, just please don't let those papers fall in to wicked hands. Please don't let, you know, just, that's my, that's my prayer. I just said, Lord, I trust you. You know what happened. So we got home that night, unpacked the car. I'm looking through the car, still nothing, no papers. Went in the house and kind of had a little argument with the Lord and I lost. <laughs> Did you know that whenever you argue with the Lord, you're always wrong? save you some time so i just was like kind of kind of a little bit of self-pity i'm like really god really right now haven't i been through enough i guess he's like no (laughs) so i just said i don't know if you guys ever do this but i just physically just said okay I'm giving you my burden, Lord. I'm just just—I'm giving this to you. I'm trusting you. I trust you. And I went to sleep. The next morning, I woke up. There was a call from someone. It was a blocked ID, so I didn't answer it. There was a voicemail, and it said, Hi, this is Janet from the South Lake Tahoe post office. I think we found your papers. I was like, what? Because we had gone back and retraced our steps to everywhere we had been. And she's, she said that, you know how when you go into the post office, there's the long counter and people just throw their junk mail, their bulk? Apparently, Dave, the custodian, came in, just took his arm and just swept it all into the trash. And she told him the story. This was on Friday. She told him the story, and he kind of went and looked through it and he couldn't find it. So something woke him up yesterday morning. And he just felt compelled to go in early. And he started digging through all of the bulk and the trash. And he found the life insurance papers. God bless Dave, the custodian. (laughs) And so I thought of this analogy because... The life insurance papers, while I don't put my hope in that, that is like something that doesn't go in with all of the garbage. Like knowing Christ. I'm not comparing money to knowing Jesus, okay? It's not a perfect analogy. But he totally built my faith through that experience. And he showed me that he is looking out And that he can be trusted in that when we submit and surrender everything to him, when we lose our own agenda, we lose our own idea idea of how things should be, we just trust him. That he is always, always faithful to us. Now, I wish he would have done it like 12 hours earlier because that would have saved me a lot of anxiety. But he is so good. And he is so faithful and i'm not saying that you know just because you pray and you know that god is obligated to let you find whatever it is you're looking for but what i am trying to say here is that he is always faithful and that he will do whatever whatever we need to build our faith when we are found in him when we are surrounded by his love when we are surrounded by the knowledge that he is good and that he is for us And that he loves us with an everlasting love. And that's the reason that he sent his only begotten son to the cross. To pay the penalty for our sins. So that because of the fact that he lives and he was resurrected from the dead. We can live. And as we serve God wholeheartedly. We will begin to understand and to find our purpose and our fulfillment. And that's the gospel. Next week I'm going to be talking about living our dream. About finding the purpose for which we were created. Because God in his goodness created each of us uniquely. And with a specific purpose. You know, I love taking personality tests and those kind of things. But putting us in a box is not really how God views us. He does created each of us uniquely and individually and with our own individual dreams and purposes. And in in knowing those dreams and knowing who we were created to be, that is where we will find fulfillment and that is the closest we can be to heaven. Would you stand with me, please? So the gospel, the good news, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but God has provided a way through his own son, through sending the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross cross to pay the penalty for our sins, and that Jesus Christ overcame sin and death by being raised from the dead, by being resurrected from the dead. It is true. Jesus is raised from the dead. If you do not believe it, It is not for lack of evidence. It's because you don't want to believe it. Because there is more evidence that he is alive. You look around this room, you look at changed lives. He is alive. If you have never met Jesus, if you have never had that revelation of the forgiveness that he offers, I just want to encourage you. Can I have a couple of people come forward to um, pray? If you have never met Jesus, I just invite you to come forward and ask for prayer because he is alive. He lives. He changes our lives. He gives us purpose. He forgives us. And he sets us free. And he delivers us. So if you have never met him, I just just encourage you, today is the day of your salvation. You can know him. So let's just pray together. Heavenly Father, we come into your presence, Lord, with humility, knowing that you are God. Lord, we thank you so much that no one can disprove the resurrection. We thank you, Lord, that even though scholars have tried for centuries, the truth is that you live, that you were raised from the dead. Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice. We thank you that Jesus, you went to the cross for our sins and you paid the penalty so that we could have life eternal and we could have life more abundant. We bless you, Lord, and we thank you. And as we celebrate your resurrection, Lord, as we celebrate knowing you, we consider everything else else worthless. Everything else is rubbish. Everything else is garbage compared to knowing you, Jesus. Draw us close to you by your spirit. Lord, that is the cry of our hearts. Draw us close to you, Lord. We want to know you and the power of your resurrection, Lord. We surrender to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for coming. I hope to see you next week as we talk about living your dream. Can we just applaud the Lord as we go? Bless your name. Thank you for your faithfulness, God. You are good. You are worthy. You are worthy of our praise, Lord. Amen. Happy Easter.